Our readings today, particularly the one from Mark that I was just talking about, and the one from 2 Kings, are filled with amazing events. It is easy to dismiss stories of this type, those that seem so far beyond our understanding and comprehension. We either seek to explain them away, or we dismiss them as fantastical and unbelievable and therefore not important. It seems in our culture that we only allow ourselves to entertain the fantastical and the amazing when we are children. We're more than happy for children's stories to be full of miraculous events. But we don't often stop to consider all we as adults have to learn from those same stories. Both the Transfiguration and Elijah's farewell are, at their core, stories about mentorship, commitment, love, persistence, preparation, seeing clearly, and vulnerability. But we're going to focus today on the passage from 2 Kings. The book of Kings, originally one book, which was later divided into two because it's really long, is essentially historical in nature. It charts the history of the people of Israel from the death of David, the first king, which occurred around 965 BCE until approximately 586 BCE, covering almost 400 years. The two prophets who figure in our passage today, Elijah and Elisha, lived during the mid to late 9th century, or the middle of the 800s. Kings is full of tension and pain, with deep conflict between those who have power, the royal families, and those who attempt to remind them to turn back to the Lord, the prophets. God warned the people of Israel that kings were not going to bring them peace, but the people insisted, and God gave them what they wanted, and it did not go well. The kings who followed David turned away from the Lord, and prophets such as Elijah and Elisha were messengers from the Lord who called the people back to the covenant. The monarchy was an instrument of oppression, and the prophetic tradition provided hope. Our readings today bring us to the end of Elijah's ministry and to the transfer of prophetic power from master to apprentice, from mentor to mentee. Elijah knows that his time on earth is coming to an end, and he attempts to set off alone so that he can face what comes next by himself. Perhaps we can relate to that. When we face challenges or the unknown, sometimes we close ourselves off and want to isolate from those around us. But Elisha won't let that happen. Three times Elijah attempts to, believe, to leave him behind, and three times Elisha refuses. Elisha demonstrates persistence and commitment in doing this. He will not leave his mentor. He will not let him go into the unknown alone. One of the things that surprises me about this story is how many prophets are in the places that they visit. Did you know that? 
There were whole groups of prophets in Bethel and Jericho. So many, in fact, that 50 of them followed Elijah and Elisha to the Jordan on the last leg of their journey. 50. That's a lot of prophets. As modern people, we tend to focus on the big names, and we don't really think about the prophecy, about prophecy being a tradition that was passed from master to apprentice, or that was fostered in community. We think lone voice, one single person at a time. And this allows us to dismiss the possibility of prophets in our own time. We think, surely no one like that is alive today. And those who might claim to be prophets are just people who need to seek medical attention. But if prophecy is a tradition that can be passed down and that can exist in community, that can be taught, then aren't we missing something if we dismiss it? I believe there are prophets alive today who are screaming into the wilderness of our world, begging people to return to the covenant with the Lord and to abandon the ways of the modern-day monarchy. Those who call us to care for the least of these, those who call out systems of oppression and destruction, those who draw our attention to the pain inflicted on so many and call us to walk a different path. Are we listening? But returning to the story of Elijah and Elisha, we have the older prophet, Elijah, who knows he is not going to be on earth much longer. And we have his companion, Elisha, who knows the Lord is about to take his mentor away and who is faced with a huge task in front of him, becoming the lead prophet to all those who were part of the prophetic tradition. And he was probably afraid unsure, insecure in his ability to step into this role. And so he asks for help. He humbles himself, becomes vulnerable, and asks Elijah to let him inherit a double share of his spirit. He asks for ruach, spirit, the same word used to describe the wind from God moving over the deep during creation. Ruach, the breath of the Lord. Ruach, a word that encompasses not just breath, but the very energy motivating a person that gives them wisdom, bravery, physical capacity. Elijah's Ruach is what makes him able to do the work he has been called to do, and he knows that it is not up to him to give that particular gift. He is willing to give it, but he knows that this spirit is something that can only be bestowed by God. So, he encourages Elisha to see, and he believes that really seeing will in fact place him in line to receive the gift that Elisha has asked for. The bond between these men is very close. They are more than master and apprentice, more than friends. In our society, we don't talk about close bonds between men as openly as we do about the bonds between women. We 
we've somehow gotten it into our collective understanding that men don't need deep friendship and closeness the same way that women do. But this example reminds us that we are misguided in our thinking. We are all human. We all have the same range of emotions, all of us. We are all in need of deep connection, closeness. Elijah wants to pull away from this man he loves so he won't have to witness him leaving the earth. And Elisha doesn't want to leave him, this man that he loves, to go through the transition alone. Elijah wants to give Elisha something meaningful to help make the loss easier. And while he can't give the thing that Elisha asks for, he can give him instructions that he believes will make the Lord bestow it upon him. And in the final fantastical moments of Elijah's time on earth, Elisha cries out to him, Father, Father. We could spend days talking about the significance of the places they visited, what it means that they crossed the Jordan into the wilderness at the very end. I could laboriously point out that we are meant to be reminded of Moses and Joshua here, or that asking for twice the spirit was a way of Elisha asking for the inheritance given to the oldest son. And all of that is interesting. All of that is part of the story. But I want to focus most closely on that relationship between these two men who were willing to be present to each other even in the face of resistance and to be vulnerable enough to offer and to ask for what they needed, to be persistent and present. And finally, I want to talk about the seeing. If you see me as I am being taken from you, it will be granted you. If not, it will not. If you stay present, if you stay open, if you see, not just look, but see, it will be granted to you. Not by me, but by the Lord. At the Transfiguration, hundreds of years later, the seeing was also central to the story. Peter, James, and John saw. It is important for those who serve the Lord in this way, this prophetic way, to be able to see life clearly. To look at the world around them and see the storm with both natural and spiritual eyes. To see wholly. In order to be prophetic voices, in order to be disciples, we have to be able to see the complex problems around us and to keep watching for God's presence in the storm. This allows us to hear, Scott, hear God's voice and to feel God's heart. This allows us to see past and through the circumstances that might otherwise distract us. This text tells me that we are all invited to be prophets. We can prepare ourselves through mentorship, being persistent, being in close, intimate relationship with others, loving, learning, being vulnerable, and seeing. We are invited to keep seeing. 
to not look away from that whirlwind, to not look away from the pain and suffering that abound in this world, but to see and then to speak, because the Lord is giving us the ruach to do so. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us. The Spirit of the Lord is available to us. Open your eyes and see.